Welcome to Brainstorm by Us Against Alzheimer's, a patient-centered nonprofit organization. Your host, Meryl Comer, is a co-founder, 24-year caregiver, an Emmy Award-winning journalist, and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Slow Dancing with a Stranger. This is Brainstorm, and I'm Meryl Comer. The World Health Organization has put brain and mental health at the top of their agenda, along with a wake-up call to all countries to do a better job of supporting their populations. Joining us now is Princess Tatiana of Greece and Denmark, who in 2021, in the midst of the global pandemic, launched Breathe, a mindful mental health movement dedicated to raising awareness around mental health and building healthier, more resilient communities. Princess Tatiana, thank you for joining us. I am truly honored to be here today. So thank you so much for having me with you. Were you surprised by the WHO's report of a stunning 25% increase in the prevalence of anxiety and depression around the globe in the first year of the pandemic and calling it just the tip of the iceberg? I don't think that the word surprised is the word I would use. It's something that I was expecting. Merely being someone who's extremely open and vocal about these sort of issues, being it anxiety, depression, and people talk to me. So, you know, the average household of four, if they say one in four people are struggling with a mental health issue at any given time, I would say that in my neighborhood, I'm someone that people pick up the phone and call. And I would say that maybe two out of four people in every household had some sort of issue in the first year of the pandemic that they were finally felt that they could actually talk about or they needed to talk about. It is something that needs to be addressed, and I'm happy that on the flip side, I'm actually quite happy is not the word. I'm almost grateful that this COVID was a call to action to take a stance and people to start becoming vocal about something that is silencing so many, and so many of us are suffering in silence. Tatiana, you were born in Caracas, Venezuela, schooled in Switzerland, and graduated from Georgetown University here in the U.S., Is that where your global view and sense of social responsibility comes from? You know, I definitely think it's something I was born with. I can't really say that it's something that was learned. I feel that I've always had this sense of social responsibility. And maybe it has a lot to do with the fact that I was from so many countries, but from nowhere. I'm going to take it forward where you ended, which is Georgetown University. And I'll never forget, you know, I ended up majoring in sociology and I didn't even understand why I was taking these classes. But I went into a classroom, it was part of the core curriculum, you had to take social sciences. And I ended up in a sociology class in my first semester at Georgetown. And the teacher wrote, he wrote a list and he said, you know, nationality, language, religion, color, race, everything you can imagine. And he said, what makes you you? Identity. And it was at that moment that I realized that some people identified themselves with a nation and some with a religion, but I didn't really have any of those. And at that moment, I realized that he was making us aware of what makes us us. So I grew up in an environment where we spoke, you know, five languages at home, and I never really saw race or anything like that as as something that was divisive, if you like. We were all just one, like humanity was one. I know it sounds very, um, what's the word, utopian. It's looking back at my life, I realized that I just always cared. I always cared about others. My mother was very generous at home. I used to love to cook. And then 
you know, be able to sell cookies and give it to the WWF or give it to building schools in Africa. I was sort of spearheading initiatives at school for social community service. So I don't know if it's something that you're born with or if it's something that you learn, but it's just been part of my life always. When you launched Bree, the Mindful Mental Health Movement, were your concerns specific to Greece or to the broader need worldwide? It is definitely the broader need worldwide, but being here in Greece, I realized that I could also use my platform in Greece and raise awareness around something which is very close and dear to my heart. So I definitely think the needs are global. But the fact that I'm able to have a voice and maybe be seen more here is why I decided to focus it first on Greece. Breathe is a movement that I started really due to lockdown. I have no desire to have a nonprofit organization. It's really around raising awareness and bringing tools and resources. The most incredible thing is when I started this back in the beginning of 2020, a lot of people were saying there are no mental health issues here in Greece. Not that there aren't any, it's just that nobody's talking about it. And that was in February. Fast forward to August, we have a minister for mental health in Greece, which Greece didn't have pre-pandemic. And they are making strides. And we have been able to partner with the government. We're launching our national campaign this month, which is you know called Stonusu Stonusu, which is keep your mind on your mind and using celebrities to help raise awareness around this. It's really in its infancy. But it is incredible that if I had started this 10 years ago, no one would even want to align themselves with me. You know, I talk to a celebrity now and I'm like, come on, let's just make this sexy. They're like, you don't want to make mental health sexy. I'm like, no, no. Yeah, let's do that. Let's make it sexy. Let's make, let's make it fun to talk about things that are really important. So we've got celebrities, we've got actors, musicians, celebrity chefs, everyone coming on board. But I would definitely say that there's just so much work to do. And I'm unbelievably excited. As a wellness entrepreneur focused on partnerships for impact, you were very brave in using your personal platform to help improve and decrease stigma around mental health. Why was that so important to you? The pandemic was a call to action. And whilst we were sitting here during the first lockdown, I found a lot of people turning to me and calling me and, and, and speaking about their anxieties. And I realized that because of my own personal experience and my own personal journey, I have a lot of tools on how to be able to handle this insomnia or anxiety through breathing techniques or grounding techniques. I thought it was time to be able to, how can we share this? How can we share all this information? It's almost a luxury. And the fact that, you know, suddenly we're all at home and we all have our mobile devices, let's see if we can actually create online platforms where you can help destigmatize and create online communities of support. And that's really sort of like digitalization allows the democratization and access to previous information as well as teletherapy, which wasn't available to so many. So if I listen to you as an entrepreneur, you are betting on the potential of online resources based on cognitive behavioral therapy to really reach millions of people in need. Yes, absolutely. It's not just the CBT, it's not just the tools, it's also access to things such as teletherapy, which I think are extremely important. Chronic stress puts so many at a higher risk for depression, which is also a trigger for a rising rate of suicide among both youth and adults. What is your advice to parents trying to protect their children from painful situations with no easy answers? 
the reason that I really started Breathe is that Breathe is an umbrella initiative. And what I mean by that is that it brings experts to the table. I can only talk about my own personal experience. So this is why I really wanted to create a platform such as this, where there are resources where parents can go and seek professional advice and guidance. So if someone was really coming to me, I would always advise them to look for professional advice. I want to bring these tools and this information out to the world. And that's really what I want to do. When it comes to things such as speaking to children about painful experiences, on my own, the only thing I can do there is share my own personal story. And my personal story is, I'm very open about it now, is that, you know, I lost my father to suicide when I was seven. And the silence that surrounded his death, I think, has had more of an impact on me than the actual act itself. And I think that with the silence came shame, with the shame came this lack of understanding, this mystery. Also this, you know, question at one point in my life, like, am I going to end up this way? The one thing that I always say is be open, be honest, you know, speak truth when faced with these situations. And the number one thing is that if someone is struggling, the first thing is with awareness comes change. And I think it's just so important to be able to take away that stigma and the shame that surrounds things such as, you know, any sort of mental illness or even just stress. People think that it's weak to be stressed. I think it's really important to be able to discuss these things. Well, thank you for your work in this area. Let's turn to something that is equally interesting. Your entrepreneurial training was honed by working for a top New York women's fashion designer and personal support of emerging women leaders. Are there specific lessons from women entrepreneurs that inspired you? Absolutely. It was about how to be an empowered woman and that empowered women empower other women. It's really about the importance of collaborating, of joining forces, of being able to use your voice to support others who might not have a voice. We were surrounded by, and I would say 95% of us in that office building, 98% of us were all women. So it was really about creating support networks and the importance of partnerships, the importance of collaboration, the importance of nurturing each other. And yeah, be strong, be confident, be you. And reach out and take another woman and and have her join your team. Tatiana, you're also the founder of Mindful City and a member of the global Be Brain Powerful Brain Trust. Share with us what you hope to achieve through your social philanthropy and engagement with the Be Brain Powerful campaign. To me, the most important thing is really, as I said, is to be able to help raise awareness. And I remember listening to Dr. Rudy Tanzi recently, and he said something along the lines of, you know, from the neck up, there's no checkup. And we just tend to forget our minds, like the importance of, of taking care of your brain, the importance of keeping your mind on your mind. And with this incredible initiative and this incredible campaign, the Be Brain Powerful campaign, I really hope to be able to give people tips on how to actually create daily habits that support your brain health, that support taking care of your mind the way that you do your body. That's how I believe that I can be of best use, if you like, because that's what I'm here for. I'm, you know, I'm also a tool. I'm here to be used to be able to do my work. Give me a great group of women and a great campaign. Tatiana, you've mentioned that a holistic approach to healthy living has always been important to you. So what does it mean to you when I say, be brain powerful? 
Be brain powerful to me is awareness around the fact that we have something sitting inside our heads which we tend to forget, that we also need to feed it, that we need to take care of it. You know, we're always thinking about what we eat for the way that we look aesthetically, but we forget how important it is, what it is that we're feeding our brains. I think that being brain powerful for me is ensuring that I'm working at my highest potential. I am aware of what happens when I don't eat well, when I don't sleep well. And, you know, we're having all these conversations around longevity and about wanting to live until 120. But we're taking care of our bodies, but we're kind of forgetting our minds. And I know that I want to grow up and continue to age with a healthy body, but also a very healthy brain. And I think that that's super important. And I do want to be at the forefront of understanding what is happening in today's world, in science, in medicine as well, to understand if there are any biomarkers out there that we can actually look at and understand before we hit that point in our lives where it might just be too late. So being brain powerful for me is education, is knowledge, is understanding how to take care of my brain. Our guest has been Princess Tatiana of Greece and Denmark on a mission to improve mental health and build healthier communities. Thank you for your efforts to offer people relief and reduce stigma. We'll keep checking in on the success of your movement, as well as your efforts through the Global Brain Trust. That's it for this edition of Brainstorm. I'm Errol Comer. Thank you for joining us. Us Against Alzheimer's A-List is an online community where people living with dementia, their caregivers, and anyone interested in brain health come together to share their insights. We call it the science of us. Join more than 10,000 A-List members making what matters most heard. Sign up at alistforresearch.org. That's A-List, the number four, research.org. Support for Brainstorm by Us Against Alzheimer's comes from Karen and Chris Siegel. Subscribe to Brainstorm through your favorite podcast platform and join us for new episodes on the first and third Tuesday of every month.